0: This is Thank You Heartbreak.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Chelsea Lee Trescott.
0: As a breakup coach, relationship advice columnist, and the founder of Break Upward, Chelsea is passionate about human beings and their stories. She talks to people about their journeys
1: in love, growth, heartbreak, revelations, and every wound and lesson along the way. This podcast shines a light on heartbreak, showing you that the most crushing experiences are also your greatest opportunity to become meaningful, relatable human beings. Now, let's get to the heart of it. Hi everyone, this is Chelsea Lee Truscott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 194 with Nikki Aronson. To skip this intro and go right into my conversation with my guest, go to somewhere around the five minute mark. You know what I was thinking? Of course, you don't know what I was thinking, but this is what I was thinking, is that it's so empowering, so liberating, really, to have the opportunity to talk about someone in your life, maybe someone that it's not going exactly smoothly with. Maybe you're wanting more, wishing for more, maybe you have all the questions, you're analyzing things quietly in your head, and you have this opportunity, thanks to a friend, to talk about it, to get their perspective, to just go over it again and again. I think there's something good that we feel when we even have that person's name coming out of our mouth. Just the feeling of talking about someone. I feel like this always happens during breakups. We can talk about them over and over again because talking about them keeps them familiar, relevant we aren't seeing someone, but we keep telling our friends about this person and asking questions aloud about them, it feels like in a way we're with them still, even though the problem is we're not seeing them, for instance. So I was thinking about that what's liberating is having that opportunity to talk about the person and choosing not to. I was at my friend's and she was recovering from surgery and she asked me, what's the latest in your life with men? And I knew that I could bring this one person up, that I could talk to her about it. And I said, uh, you know, I'll tell you about it later, maybe tomorrow. And the next morning we woke up and I had the opportunity again. And I just felt like I didn't need to do it. I didn't want really the perspective of someone else. And I didn't want to hear myself have to talk about it. I didn't want to force that energy and that rumination over something more and more in my life, I want to have the ability to allow something to play out, to play out free of my analysis of it, to honor the fact, as long as I'm comfortable with what I'm in, with what I'm having, to accept where it is and where it can go. It's a new approach. It's one maybe more of restraint, hands-off, letting things play out in the background. I just got a call from one of my early clients. It came completely out of the blue. It was totally spontaneous, and I love that so much. And we were catching up, and we were talking about this. His ability, my ability to exist in the gray area. He was wearing a shirt that said, test all the things. I had to write it down. Test all the things. He said one other thing. He said that a woman that he's seen, she said to him, That wouldn't it be cool to have a relationship that isn't devastating when it ends? That's the world that I feel like I'm really operating within, that I would love to see myself get even better at, to test all the things, to be able to be comfortable in the gray, that uncertainty. Because even when we think we know, we don't really know. Also, to hold in mind that what would your relationship look like now? if it wasn't going to be devastating in the end. What if everyone was walking around with expiration dates? How would you treat them then? How would you treat the moment then? Would you show up more? I think I would. Everyone is going to expire, but if you just knew that this was only gonna last two weeks, two months, two hours, how would you handle it? I really believe That most of us would want to savor it more. We would want to be present for it. We wouldn't want to be ruminating, asking questions. We would want to lean into acceptance, appreciation. If that feels tempting for you, I encourage you to do it with me. Exist in the gray. Show up. Don't be in your head. But if you have a question, ask it. But ask the person. Don't ask friends. Go to the source. And when you're with the source, the person that you do want to be with, just be there. Be there. Thank you for being here. It means the absolute world to me. So I would love for you to introduce yourself to my audience.
0: My name is Nikki and I am a mama. I have a little two and a half year old daughter who's a little crazy and really sweet too. And I'm married. My husband is an adrenaline junkie, pretty cool guy. And I am a brand designer and strategist. I've been in the brand building space for the last decade, basically. I work with female entrepreneurs right now. Prior to being in this, I had a clothing line for about six years that I built with my sister and sold it right before I had my daughter. I've always kind of been just on this quest of like internal self-discovery and sort of let that be my like compass through life. Now I'm here, I'm, I live in Jupiter, Florida. I grew up in New Jersey and I've just kind of led this creative, soul-driven life thus far.
1: Also successful. I mean, you sold a business. Can't even comprehend I that. I don't know if I can even get a business off the
0: ground. I might have to edit that out, but seriously. (laughs) I can help you with that. Yeah. I feel like I've had just like entrepreneur blood my whole life and I'd be like working in corporate and then like on my lunch break, be like building a chapstick business. I've always just been doing something even when I was doing something else and the selling of the business, that was like what just happened. I was eight and a half months pregnant and I was I'd say even before I got pregnant I was really starting to feel the pull of like I wanna do more, I wanna do something different. And, you know, if you're familiar with running a business, I was so creative at the start of the business. And then just over time it really started becoming this numbers game and which is natural, you know, that happens in a business, but it sort of took over. And I was wanting to get back to being creative and really connecting with more women and helping them bring an idea to life. That's really what I've always loved was just, I have an idea. I want to do it. And I think like every entrepreneur can pat themselves on the back because if we're good at anything, it's like creating something from nothing. You love the
1: startup phase.
0: Yeah. 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 I love the birth of an idea. And then really mapping out like how does that translate into like money in the bank?
1: I just love how you're someone that could be in this process of you start something that wasn't there before and then you can let it go.
0: Yeah, I have an interesting history of Um, (laughs) non-attachment. Did you tell your husband that before Before he married me? Yeah. Yeah, no, actually, funny story. So I was really having those feelings of I want to like transition out of this business. And I don't really know how I'm going to do that. Like, is it bringing in an investor and I kind of get to step away from CEO? Like, what does that look like? And long story short, it ended up. Obviously, turning into somebody who just wanted to outright buy the business. And that ended up being the best option. But we got married in the Keys, and I was 20 weeks pregnant at our wedding. We literally sent out our Save the Dates, and then I found out I was pregnant like the next day. And I was like, oh okay, like we we got to re-navigate this a little bit. And so my due date was like a week after our wedding date. And I'm like, that's not going to work out. So we were able to shift our wedding a couple months early. And I ended up being 20 weeks pregnant at our wedding, which turned out to be amazing. And we were driving home from our wedding and we got married in the Keys. And so there's these signature like blue walls. I'm sure you grew up in Miami. You probably know they're like painted blue walls that as soon as you're entering the Keys, you're like, oh, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm passing the blue walls. And when you're leaving, you're like, oh, I'm leaving. And so we're driving home from our wedding weekend and I dropped the bomb of, I'm going to sell the business. He always references like, did you really do that as we were leaving our wedding? Like this massive bombshell of, you know, you're just going to sell this giant business you have now. And that was kind of his peek into my like true non-attachment phase of life. Are you
1: nervous to tell him this?
0: No, I don't think so. I'm such like an open book and pregnancy, if anything, cracked me even more wide open of just what do I want out of life. What am I going to do? What am I going to say? Like, how am I going to approach this? And like doing everything from just a place of this is what my body's telling me Mm. is separate from my brain even. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like, this is what my body is telling me. I'm going to like lean into that. I'm not going to do it from a place of fear, you know, and in that situation of like what he's going to say, I'm going to like be the person And if that means him being scared, like I'm going to be the person who trusts that whatever my body's telling me is what I need to do.
1: Wow. Okay. So talk to me about your (laughs) body and what your body felt when you first met him. What was the reaction?
0: Oh, I was like, ew, leave me alone. How does that happen? So my husband owns a surf shop. Here in Jupiter, and his surf shop bought my clothing line that I was just talking about. Okay, that was how I wait, him. wait.
1: What do you mean? He didn't know in
0: the car that he was buying your, your line? You know, this is way before I met him when I started my business. Okay, I started my business in 2013. I was making women's activewear, sewing leggings, like by hand at the time. I started my business in 2013. I met him in 2013, and the way that I met him was I had my clothing line, and I went into his shop to oh. sell it to
1: them. Yeah. Oh, sell the clothes. Okay, got it. Sell, got
0: it. sell it. Like, sell my line to him. Yeah. So, so, so he, he could, could sell carry it. the clothing yeah. line. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, okay. okay.
1: I, so, like, I get confusing. home. So.
0: so I went in there on a sales call for them to carry my clothing line. Oh. And there's this guy in the back of the shop. Meanwhile, I was working in New York City prior to starting that business. So I was working in New York City. I had been dating this guy in New York mm-hmm. who was. Jewish. I was not Jewish. Therefore, we could never get married. Mm -hmm. And I dated him for about a year and a half, never really got to meet his family. But we had this really great relationship. So when it kind of came to the time of this isn't really going to go anywhere, because we could never take this relationship to the next level. I was like, I got to just leave New York. And so my mom lived in Jupiter, Florida, where I live now. I came down here to visit her and I found this yoga studio. And I was like, I'm just going to do my yoga teacher training. It's something I always wanted to do. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: we like ended the relationship. I literally like packed up my apartment, left my job and like moved down here in the course of like a week. So you had to be drastic about things. Super drastic. It was very drastic. At the time I felt like, The way I know New York is through him and that relationship. I just need to like get out of here. It was honestly very heartbreaking, the whole situation. I feel like we were dramatic, our relationship, but not in a negative way. It was dramatic in the sense of we were super real the whole time that you're Jewish, I'm not, this could never become more than the fun that we're having in this relationship in its current state.
1: Which is hard because everyone says they want to have fun, but when push comes to shove, you know. Yeah, it
0: was so fun until it wasn't fun anymore because you're like, okay, we like took a final trip together to Toronto and we like knew the whole trip in Toronto that this is our last weekend together and I'm moving next
1: week. I've done this before, by the way. (laughs) And I think it's one of the best ways to break up, to really celebrate the relationship, even if you're crying your way through it. Yeah. Did you feel like that's what you guys were doing?
0: We totally did. It was so sad and it was like so beautiful. It was like all the rainbow of emotions. Yeah. And that was it. Wow. I moved to Florida and I started my yoga teacher training and like all of this is leading up to the point that I was so emotionally unavailable Mm. when I say that I like actually met who's Matt, who's like now my husband. And could he read that in the beginning when he was knowing you? No, he is like, not at all. no. My husband is totally uh, no, no. I don't even know how to explain that, but no. <laughs> he started coming to my yoga classes. It was he was coming and he was taking my classes and like courting me. Yoga instructors
1: just have it. It's just a totally different level of game they have. My friend, it, she experiences the same thing. All these guys flock to her class. I remember I had a boyfriend at the time. So and I, I couldn't believe myself. I was so nervous because I had experienced her class before, and the way she adjusts your body and she would put oil on her temples at the end. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to be touched by her. He's going <laughs> to leave me for her. <laughs> you guys are lucky. Okay. Go
0: on. So I love this. Side note, he never took a fucking yoga class again after we, like, started officially dating. Oh, no, I believe so. it. I totally believe with <laughs> that. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say that. He has later in our relationship, but, like, for the next two years, he was not going to yoga classes anymore, including my own. He had a perfect... But, yeah, there was an agenda there. Mm-hmm. So I met him, and then we kind of, after that day, we, like, connected but not fully but we were in town and they carried my clothing line so you know I was pop in there and this and that and then a couple months later like I said he started coming to my yoga classes and then he eventually like asked me to go out and you know grab a beer or something like that and I did and we just then just started dating from there moving forward. It was a very Um,
1: easy flow into the relationship.
0: It was easy, and it was so interesting. My husband's from Northern California, and his parents still had lived there at the time, and his dad had come to visit Jupiter. So I met his dad within like you know a week and a half or two weeks of dating him. I'm such a
1: believer in that. People become shocked and all this stuff. I'm like, why not just let that happen if it's going to happen?
0: Yeah, it just happened. We totally hit it off. It was so crazy. His dad grew up in New Jersey in the same town that I grew up in. And his dad was actually in the first graduating class from the high school that I graduated from. Which was like so bizarre. Your husband must have
1: loved this.
0: Loved it. So this story gets even crazier. My husband's three years younger than I am. He spent summers in New Jersey doing ocean rescue, like lifeguard. He would work on the beaches. My husband is like big surfer. His dad is in the New Jersey Surfing Hall of Fame. Like They're just a beach surf family. So in the summer, they would go back to New Jersey from Northern California and spend the whole summer there and Matt would lifeguard there. And so Matt grew up on the beaches that I grew up on, but I was three years older than him. So I never had never met him. (laughs) But My sister is my husband's same age. And one of the guys in our wedding, my sister like dated, you know, in like middle school. And so we just have this weird intertwined sliding doors. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Mm. But anytime I'm obviously, I have a strong personality and I just say what I'm feeling and my husband is has a strong personality as well. So any anytime that we like butt heads or I'm just wanting to be like, Why are we doing this? You know, I always come back to this. We met for a reason and we have had all these interesting, weird things where it, you know, if there's ever a time where you're just like, Mm. I just want to be done with this. And even in a relationship prior to marriage where it would be so easy for you to like be drastic and just close the door and move on with life. I always come back to this weird meeting of him and this interesting, deeper. Incidences. Yeah. Yeah. Like you grew up in Northern California. I literally grew up on the opposite side of the country and like we're both here in Florida and we met and your dad and it's just all so weird. Also, it just also makes me think of starting
1: this business of yours. And obviously it was for many reasons and big accomplishments and you're doing now in business because of what you did then. But sometimes I just feel like, God, was that just so you could meet your husband? Mm-hmm. You know, like you had that business, you were selling the clothes That's why you went there. Was that a part of it? And then you let go of it right after you got married. Was it just to bring you guys together?
0: So interesting. I've never really thought about it that way. But yeah, like maybe.
1: (laughs) Not to diminish the business, but it just is crazy how if that element had never been there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Even when you just said to me, like, not to diminish the business. It almost would give the business more meaning, from my yeah. perspective. Like, yeah, no, that's what I
1: feel. But I know that someone yeah. that works on a business. I don't know. If me coming in just saying it was for the marriage would diminish. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, it's so interesting that like conversation around what does that mean and why you know and there's just the deeper meaning of everything is sort of over the course of the last eight to twelve months. I feel like that's the headspace I've been in around so many different things, becoming a mom and, you know, that like motherhood brings and then having like go of the business and then like anything else that made its way into my like vortex, right? Is like, I'm on this why quest.
1: Mm. Just a side note. Mm -hmm. I- never dated online. I never did the apps. Right before quarantine happened, I got in a dating app. So I'm on the hunt for a brave soul and I meet a guy on Sunday. I get a guy to break quarantine and meet me. And we're sitting on a bench. You're so rebellious. (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah, that is. It's like the, the belly Street. So I meet this guy on Sunday. We're on this bench talking, oh, and he told me, you know, he had broken up with a girl recently, and he went on a, an app date, and she was like leaning into him, like, "Why did you break up with her? Why did you break up with her?" And he was like, "You know, she just didn't love me en- enough." She didn't like me enough. And the woman was like, You're not believing in yourself. You need to have more self worth. And he was like, I am done with this date, right? (laughs) And I was like, Why? Was it because, you know, she was like, Was it patronizing? He was like, No, she just, she was projecting. And he said to me, He goes, You know, sometimes you got to stop looking at why. I'm not Mm -hmm. interested in why any longer. And my mouth dropped. I'm like, My business and my life is devoted to why. (laughs) <laughs> and it was such a fascinating spin. He was talking about yeah. therapy and like with a therapist, it's just like enough is enough. I'm not looking at why anymore. And yet some mm-hmm. of us, it doesn't stall us. It doesn't hold us back the question of why it's not agonized. Right. It provides, you know, meaning and passion behind something, clarity and acceptance.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, everybody's different. And I I know just from even like working with clients, like in on their business stuff the how and the why can be paralyzing to some people yes Yes, You know, like just complete roadblock cannot even move forward. And for me, it's like wanting to know how to do things and or why to do something. It's almost like driving next to a car on the freeway. And we're just like going the same speed, you know, I'm in my own lane doing my thing. But like, that's always there to kind of like figure out.
1: I think I probably fall into the camp of the how can be very debilitating.
0: Well, what I always think about is, You know, I can use the example of when someone has an idea and they want to bring something to life, I look at that idea as like that idea came to you. Like it's yours, right? And it's your job to like facilitate it. Mm. How it gets facilitated is so less important than the idea actually just coming to life and it becoming something. And in addition to the how being so less important, there's 1 million ways to get from A to B. Like there's 1 million ways to get from I have an idea to idea is is happening and it's like coming into fruition. One of the reasons why I do try to help people let go of that how in some way is because you could get started on The journey of how, right? Of like figuring out the, to me, the how is like the logistical pieces. That's like the logic and the logistical things. And how is this actually going to happen? What technology am I going to use? Right? Or like what programs am I going to use? Or what's the actual way I'm going to get there? But the truth is that it's going to change a million times. Mm. And the way that Susie got from A to B is going to be different from the way Jenny gets from A to B. Mm. So for me, a way to move beyond the how. And be able to just continue to facilitate things in life without that becoming like a stuck factor is like the only way to do that is by trusting. Like the only way to do that is by trusting and believing in the idea or the thing or the relationship or the getting over the relationship or the whatever it is, anything that it is, is by trusting and believing that whatever like gut hit you're getting in your body, whether that's an idea or a feeling or whatever it is, is by fully trusting in it fully believing in, in like yourself and in your body, that the how's going to figure itself out. That part, that piece of the puzzle is going to like organically fall into place.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's freeing.
0: It's really is- freeing because it, yeah. right. Doesn't it give you then the ability to say like, okay, I'm just going to continue following the, the field. thread. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This woman reached out to me yesterday and she wants to come on the podcast and she was talking about she is launching this breakup course at the end of the month. And it's really easy to be like, oh my God, why haven't I done the breakup course? Or like, you know, why didn't I start there? Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, like we all start in a different way, you know, and whatever was speaking to me a course really hasn't spoken to me. It's a great idea. It makes sense and mm-hmm. it could really bring me business, but I've wanted to start somewhere else. And that's what's kept me going and excited and branching out. And sometimes you just, even the way that you're doing it, you can't just be looking at how everyone else is and thinking that's the road you should be on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think not more than ever, just in the land of social media and being hyper aware to what everyone has going on in their world makes it really hard to do that, right? To like, Totally. put blinders on and be like, what am I actually feeling like I want to do versus I see someone doing this and that looks like a great idea. And they're, they're saying that they made a hundred K from this. And, I mean, it's and unbelievable how people, I mean, do you, do, I didn't look at your Instagram. Do you talk
1: like that? Because I cannot handle it. No,
0: no I actually am. 72 hours instagram free right now I just like decided to delete it off of my phone and like you know just like I still have my account obviously but I just was like I just need to get off of here
1: you know what and I did it I cannot believe it I, mean, I think maybe it's been a mistake but I've been posted in two years which uh-huh. I don't know because I recorded every element of my life since I was in middle mm-hmm. school and then I stopped putting up stories thanksgiving and my god time flies i don't even want to count the months like i cannot believe i was able to step away like that
0: i don't even i mean right now like i don't even miss it i don't even want to go on there right now and this is another thing is like to what we're talking about you know an exercise, and I'm exercising this right now, is that trust muscle. Like, I'm thinking the thoughts that have been coming up in my head is like, if I'm not on Instagram, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to get clients. If I'm not getting clients, I'm not going to make money. And for whatever reason, like, I got the ping that, like, I need to get off Instagram right now. Like, it's clogging up too much of my time. Like, I find myself mindlessly scrolling. And I could be doing literally 1 million other things than that at any given moment. And so I'm trusting that why ever I felt that in my body, it's like happening for me, you know, like that came to me for a reason. And so I just have to trust that like my business isn't going to plummet if I'm not on Instagram right now. And whether it's like two weeks or two years or forever, I don't know. But I think it's important
1: for people to hear that it doesn't have to be, you know, some big idea that you have. It can be this pull to just step away from Instagram. That can even be something that you should be trusting and listening to.
0: Oh yeah. I just to share how I got that idea, like how that came to me and how small and not even crystal clear it was. I was doing a meditation and what kept coming up for me in the meditation was this thing around time how we're spending our time and whether it's during quarantine or not, like what's taking up a lot of my time that I could be like doing other things, right? Or like being more productive or more efficient. And the first thing that I thought of was Instagram. So I just went with that. I was like, oh yeah, like I'm definitely spending way too much time on here. I had a ping about time, like I'm going to start here. I wonder if you're going to have this
1: meditation baby.
0: Oh, my daughter? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. So my daughter's like kind of batshit crazy, but Yeah, what do you mean? I
1: love that. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll hear this and be like, My mom yeah. called me batshit crazy.
0: I mean, <laughs> I'm probably batshit crazy. Like, I think my husband would say that about me in like the most beautiful way ever of just I get an idea, it's what I want, I'm doing it, I'm going with it, and I try different things all the time. My daughter is so strong willed. Like I know it's so hard right now, but I have full confidence that it's gonna be like a positive as she continues to like really grow into her own likes and dislikes. You know, I feel like my job as her parent is to channel her energy into positive places mm. of, of like, example, like meditation or like breathing you know what I mean? Or like nature or being, you know, just like she loves the beach. She loves the water. She loves being outside. If I'm to like keep her in, it feels so detrimental to her like energy.
1: You know what? I remember feeling that way. My ex had two children and I've never Mm -hmm. been someone that's like called to like Go explore outside. I mean in New York City I do, but otherwise any other place, like I don't feel that way. I'll never forget being at his house. And he was inside like watching TV and like just folding laundry and just like indoors with them. And I just felt cold. Like I'm like, I finally understood when you look back on memories, that's not gonna be the thing that lights up. And it's not putting him down. He was just in his natural mm-hmm. groove. So I came in and I'm not in that. And I remember like just asking, like, can I take them out around the block? And we took my dog, we had this little adventure, and there were so many moments. It's like that. And I felt this insight of maybe what it will be like to have a child and like how I could become for them. Yeah. Mm.
0: It's a learning process because I grew up like Italian, big Italian family uh, you know, everyone's, I feel like generations before us had lots of kids, you know, more than yeah, traditionally, traditionally now. And I have a brother Well, I have multiple brothers and sisters, but I have my, you know, full brother and sister are here in Florida. Like I'm so close with my sibling Mm -hmm. and we're like, you know, best friends basically. And I always was like, oh, well, that's just what you do, right? Like you just have multiple kids and that's just what it is because that's what I knew. And I think one of the hardest parts of motherhood and just parenting is I don't, Know if I want another one. I didn't grow up babysitting. I didn't grow up nannying. I wasn't like changing diapers when I was younger. So, like, the first diaper I changed was like my daughter. And I like, I'm still figuring out what being a mom is like for me. Yeah. And, you know, again, it could change that I'm like, oh, yeah, we're like ready for another one. But right now, like, we're so just in the space of like, I don't know if I want to have another one. And then there's like this whole baggage of guilt around like not providing a sibling for her.
1: Yeah. I'm a twin. So I never even, That's so amazing. I never even fathomed of what you know, that I wouldn't have two children. And I think there is that feeling. It's not to offend people that are only childs, but like Mm -hmm. that, of course, you know, like, God, what would it be like if a child was just with two parents? You know, where's their outlet? Who's their confidant about their parents, all this stuff? You know, it's just at this point, it's like a crazy feeling to think that I might not even be able to have two children. You know what I'm saying? Like then like that guilt, I don't know what the answer is, but for you, like you're out of your element. I guess the beauty is that you're so close to your siblings that if they have children, maybe it'll feel like siblings for your child. Yeah. You know, I was trying to think like if my sister has a child, maybe that they'll feel like siblings if I have a child, you know?
0: Yeah, so. no, totally. It's so yeah. interesting. I had a reading with a medium, uh, mm. like, yeah, a couple yeah. months ago. It was virtual. She uh-huh. was in San Diego and I was here in Florida. She came highly recommended through like a couple old friends of mine. And she told me that I would have another biological daughter, which my husband is always like, yeah, if we have another one, it's going to be like another girl. And then she told me that I feel like you're going to adopt a little boy who's going to just like speak to you and your husband. You're going to be like away on a trip Whoa. somewhere. Yeah, she was like, you're going to be away on a trip in, like, South America somewhere or, like, Costa Rica, and this little boy is just going to, like, really, really speak to you guys, and you're going to end up adopting him. How does that
1: not make you start booking trips to Costa Rica, though, or avoid booking (gasps) trips? You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
0: right? I told my husband, and he was like, uh... I don't know about that.
1: Like maybe our 10 year anniversary will go to Costa Rica.
0: Yeah. So again, I just kind of leave it up to like, the universe. you know, that's like, yeah, like that's how we feel right now. That's how we feel right now. And right? that could like change at any given time.
1: So, I know that you have anxiety. I bring it up. I thought we were only going to talk about that. Not really, but I think it's important now. I was going to be like, okay, we don't have to. But hearing you, I just don't think anyone would ever imagine that you have anxiety or that you've ever struggled with anxiety. So I think it's worth noting.
0: That's so interesting to hear that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm pretty positive that I could take a uh, survey monkey right now and everyone would agree with me.
0: (laughs) You know, I will say that my anxiety... Has gotten so much better over the last couple years. Actually, getting pregnant was a big shift for me. How so? Some Um,
1: people could be the opposite, right? Like, micromanaging everything. Like, how did that shift inside of you?
0: Yeah, a lot of my anxiety was I would get low blood sugar, like hypoglycemia, and if I like didn't have like f- this is so weird, but if I didn't have like food or like a snack or like something, then I would go into like anxiety panic mode that I was going to like get low blood sugar and pass out. Yes, and I used know, to like, have
1: that fear too because it's the worst feeling.
0: It's yes. the worst feeling, and you just get lightheaded, yes. and you're just like out of it, and you just go into like panic mode. Yes, and That was like the start of my anxiety was like a lot around that. This was all in my like early 20s, 32 now. So it's been like, let's just call it like 10 years. And so it started to transform into just like, I would get anxiety traveling and getting on a plane. And like, well, what if something happened on the plane? Like not with the plane, like with me and like, and like there's not a doctor. And I would just go into this whole, just like, downward mental spiral of this anxiety and it sort of just made its way into like all the crevices of my life I felt like and then interesting with dating I know you mentioned that it was really interesting with dating because this was all during those times when I was dating but I would literally like I would like not spend a night at someone's house. Or like, I'd like, are we going somewhere to eat? Or like, what are we doing? Or I'd like, I was literally like Mary Poppins of snacks, like always had snacks with me, like <laughs> things like that. And so that was just my form of being in control of the anxiety, right. right? of Like of my anxiety.
1: Now, do they see it as anxiety or did they just think you had this bag of goodies?
0: A bag of goodies. No one like knew that it was uh, a panic thing, like an anxiety thing. And I kind of just managed it that way. Then eventually I got into yoga and meditation, which helped. Like, breath work really helped with the anxiety too. And then I met somebody who had like a collection. Oh, I feel so much better when I take this. Of course, because it's like doing what it's supposed to do as an anxiety medicine. But I was like too ashamed to go to the doctor. I had anxiety or I'm having a panic attack. I was just like, too ashamed of it. And so I never went to the doctor for it and I never like went and got my own prescription, but I would like take these from my friend. He would give them to me. I got pregnant three years ago and I maybe had still like a couple Klonopin or whatever in my bag, you know, whatever. It wasn't something I was taking on a regular basis. It was like an on product that I had if I like was having a panic attack. And so I got pregnant and it was like, no, you can't take that anymore. You're pregnant. I mean, this is what I would tell myself because I don't even know if you can. I never like spoke with a doctor about this. So I got pregnant and in my mind, it, that was the switch. I was like, oh yeah, like I'm unavailable for that at this mm. top point in my life right now, you know? And it became this mind over matter thing for me. And also getting pregnant, I have the most calm pregnancy ever. And like, if you just think back on everything we talked about like I literally like sent out my save the dates, found out I was pregnant, I had to readjust my entire wedding, all the work I did to like plan my wedding, like I was feeling those feelings of wanting to sell my business, we had just moved into a brick and mortar like a standalone shop. Oh. I had to shut that down. Like so much happened during my pregnancy and I literally was so calm. I was so unavailable for like high stress environments that I just literally was like fucking unavailable for it. Wow. Knock on wood, I've like never had a panic attack since. You know, I've worked with my therapist on it, on the fact that like now more than ever, I realize that like anxiety is not a part of me. You know, it's not Mickey. It's yeah. just this thing that some people have that it's almost like a backpack. And at any point, like you can say like, I'm going to put this backpack down right now.
1: I feel you, man. I remember having an eating disorder. There's a camp of people that will tell you that's you for the rest of your life. An addict, you know? Like, I'll never get rid of that. I heard that for so long. Or, you know, like I was addicted to Adderall. Mm -hmm. Instead of calling myself an addict going through my life, it's just, I remember waking up one morning with each of these things Mm -hmm. and saying never again.
0: You know, how I feel is to like the average person, and I just say this loosely not to offend anyone, but. You know, for the average person who is not quote unquote like tuned in, right, to their body, who's not on any path of like self discovery or personal development, right, on a deeper level, almost like a spiritual, universal God spirit, whatever it is journey of understanding that, like, listen, like, no one is more in control of you than you, Mm. right? Like, spirit, God, source, all of that higher power to me is like, that's a guide, like that's a facilitator. Like mm-hmm. that's an energy for us to like tune into in our own body, like we are that, right? Like you are a piece of God, you are spirit, that's who you are. So it's not this separate thing, but I mean, that's how I feel, that's that's my opinion, right? For the average person who is not mm-hmm. in tune with that and who's not even interested in discovering that and is just getting into AA or just getting into NA or who's you know on any journey like that, it's such an easier coping mechanism to say like, this is who I am. This addiction is going to be a part of me forever. And it's my job to manage it. Yeah. Versus giving it up. I feel like this work is actually a harder decision.
1: Yeah. My sister went to rehab and she works in the field. And so she's been sober for eight years and Mm -hmm. brought this up yesterday. Can you overcome the addictive qualities? you know, are they qualities that I can overcome or is it my personality? And, you know, she's on this edge of wanting to answer that for herself, but also she thinks that, and I, I don't want to speak for her because she really is the one that could say it and maybe I've misinterpreted, but from what I understand, she has felt at times that AA really pushes and it saved her in the beginning, I think, but it pushes mm-hmm. this fear, this fear that you can't, have a sip or something because you'll just spiral out of control. So the reason you don't do things is because you're afraid, not because you're actually empowered.
0: Right. And I think there's probably a whole slew of people who are like, they're testing that boundary. My younger brother, and I don't want to like speak for him, like went through rehab at one point, but not for like drinking. So for him, it was like, you know, he was doing pills or whatever he was doing at that time. And like, he didn't ever have a drinking problem or anything like that. And so when he came out of that whole system, he had fear of everything. Oh, I can't drink a beer. So my younger brother, like without even, and I've never even really talked to him about this, but without him like fully even committing to like a journey of his own, he really like went on his own journey and was like, I can have a beer and that is not going to make me go back to what I was doing. I can have a drink and that's not the gateway for me. I'm like a strong enough human being to know that that's me. Like no one's going to know me better than me. Mm -hmm. We all were like in this space when this was all fresh, which was literally nine years ago. You know, it was just like, you're almost like tiptoeing around because you don't want to do the wrong thing or like say the wrong thing. And it was one night it was like, we're going to all drink. (laughs) And like, we're not even big drinkers, you know, like I actually don't really drink that much. I'll drink wine here and there, but that's kind of it. It was just like, we're going to all drink and we're going to survive. And he was just like, I'm going to be good. And then we can all move on with life. And like, literally, that's what happened. And he's just the greatest and... Makes me
1: emotional. I'm so afraid of my sister testing this, and you know, she wasn't alcoholic either. It's, I know that there's people that she's wanted to reach out to that she's read their story on the internet, and maybe if she ever really gets to this, I could reach out to you. And and maybe if your brother was open to it, you know, yeah, yeah, amazing that you did that together and you weren't afraid and you let him make, you know, that choice.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean. That's all we can do, right, in life. We can't feel like we're going to have grip and control over everything and everyone. That's like a really hard place to be in. Even now with this whole like quarantine and just what's going on in the world, now more than ever, it's like a magnifier on, Mm -hmm. like we don't have control. The only thing we can control is our reaction to what's happening Mm -hmm. and what we choose to do with our time and to be like empowered enough to like, Make decisions for us, for our family, mm-hmm. even if that means not agreeing with everyone else mm. or breaking your quarantine for a date. Uh,
1: yes. <laughs> hey, do you have any advice for my uh, date tonight
0: at my apartment? You have a date tonight at your apartment. Yes. Just be there, enjoy it. Right? Like, yeah, right. I would just look at it like everything's happening for you mm-hmm. right now. Even if at times that feels hard to see or hard to feel, I would just be present and just be there.
1: Mm -hmm. It's just waking me up to so much. You know, I realized not being a dater in my life, just kind of getting into a relationship and then getting into a relationship. I've never dated in New York City. I just feel like I'm learning so much finally, just even by, I got to admit, I guess just from being on these apps and just seeing different types of men that communicate in different sorts of ways. Just so many revelations during this quarantine. So many revelations.
0: You know, there's a part of this that feels like This is really needed, this cleansing, right? Divine intervention. Yeah, this clearing of old thought patterns, of old ways of doing things, of being in our bubble and being in just our like normal day to day thing. Like, Mm. I feel like the universe was whispering this to us for some period of time. And then, like, the voice got a little louder. And then all of this happened. And it's like banging on the door of everyone (laughs) to just stop. Stop thinking the way that you've been thinking, stop doing things. Cause chances are like if you were to really like go back and replay your life over the last couple of years, there's probably been times where you maybe like got the pain to go on and date this way, or like knew that there had to be a better way, or knew that like there had to be different kind of men. Just like had a greater faith in the way that men could communicate, whatever it is, but we're just so busy. We don't stop and like acknowledge those feelings. We just keep going.
1: We make excuses. How many
0: people have stayed in like shitty relationships when they know this isn't for me?
1: I totally believe in that. I think it's the easiest thing to do is staying too long.
0: Yeah. And we're just being asked to make tougher decisions right now in the name of trust that whatever I'm doing is supposed to be happening.
1: I coined the word break upward. I'm curious what it might mean to you.
0: I love that. To me, that's level up. I had this conversation with my sister the other day. She's dating right now and she's 28. You know, she'll be like dating someone, whatever that means, you know, and she's dating someone and then she'll like know that she's not getting the communication she wants or like she's not getting to see them as often as she wants or she's just picking up on things in her own way. But instead of saying it, you get caught up playing the game of dating of like, well, this is the gray area. And this is the dating. And like, this is the games that get played. Instead of just saying for her, what I said to her is I'm like, you are like clear on all the things that you require in a relationship. And like, you're entitled to that. I'm not saying like, you know, my husband checks off every single box on the list. No, but like, it's a work in progress that I'm here for it. But when you're dating like that, you get to decide what you're available for and what you're not available for and it's your job to say it. So when I think of breaking upward, even in the case of just a dating aspect and not even in a full-fledged long-term relationship that's now like you're breaking up, it's you stepping into your power right and it's you stepping into like what you want out of this life and if you're not getting it, then break upward.
1: I love that I love that you're bringing it back to dating. Yes, because we all need this. I say there's no rules to love. Love as only you can love. People really do get into a habit of mirroring other people's behaviors. And before they know it, they date just the way they hate how other people have been dating treating them.
0: I probably break upward with my husband every couple months. It's <laughs> all good. <sighs> Tell my audience where they can find you. My website is NikkiArnsman.com and my Instagram is at NikkiArnsman same for Facebook. Like I said, I'm on a little hiatus right now, but there's still lots of good content there. And you can always connect with me through my website. I'm here and available.
1: If this episode resonated with you, it would mean the absolute world if you could pass it on and let other people know about it. How you can support this podcast is really just sharing it, telling people about it. If you know someone that's hurting in their heart, tell them about Thank You Heartbreak. And if you want to be a guest on Thank You Heartbreak, reach out to me. You can find me on Instagram at Thank You Heartbreak or you can email me directly at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A at breakupward B-R-E-A-K-U-P-W-A-R-D Dot com, And if you're interested in one-on-one coaching sessions, you can visit my website breakupwardcom slash shop where you can check out directly from my site. It's a super, 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 super simple process. Of course, I will answer any of your questions before you book. And again, you can email me at chelsea chelseaatbreakupword.com. There's many different coaching options. And I would love to show up for you as you begin to show up in more wise and clarifying and secure ways for yourself. Thanks for listening, everyone.